If you would, to Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> Luke chapter 14. While I'm thinking of it, um, I would ask you to pray for me tomorrow, particularly tomorrow, um, about between 1230 and 145. Uh, I'll be speaking out at the Lovelock prison. Tomorrow's my day to be out at the prison. Um, so if you would pray for me, I'd appreciate that. Um, I, 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 I guess I'm weird in the sense that I like going to prison once a month. <laughs> but it's even better when they let me out. Um, but uh, no, I, I do. I, I enjoy going. Uh, it's, a, it's usually a, a, a great time of fellowship with uh, guys that um, uh, have very little uh, contact with the outside, but anyway, uh, it's it, just if you would pray for me, 12:15 to 1:45 tomorrow, or, or 12:30 to 1:45, I would appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> as I prayed for the message this morning, God very clearly directed me to another parable um, that uh, uh, I believe will be helpful to us this morning. The parable that we're getting ready to look at is similar to one that we've already looked at earlier uh, in the year. Um, the one that we looked at earlier uh, is different. Uh, I mean, they're very similar, but the, the lessons that Jesus taught in that parable and the one that he teaches in this parable are very different. So it's, it's definitely worth looking at, but they are, uh, on the surface they're very similar. Um, the one that we looked at earlier is called the parable of the feast. It's in Luke chapter uh, 14, verses uh, 7 to 11. And we're not going to read that because we already did that. But it's, uh, it's, it, this comes on the heel of that parable. So Jesus tells the parable of the, of the feast. Uh, and then he has some interaction with the people. And then he goes into this parable that we're going to be looking at this morning. Both of these parables have something in common, and that is the, there's a tradition involved in the in the in the in the culture of the day, uh, and that is basically the tradition was this: if if I invite you to my banquet, then you have to invite me to your banquet, and. It was this unwritten rule in the, in the society that if you know if 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 you've been invited to one or two or multiple uh, banquets, then it's your responsibility then in in turn to give a banquet and and pay back if you would the indebtedness if you if you want to call it that uh, to have have attended other banquets so it was this ongoing cycle of banquets and and the the events the banquets had nothing to do about friendship uh, appreciation or anything it was about buying recognition or uh, for a, a, a lack of better terms, um, getting into that inner circle. So generally at these banquets, there would there would be um, uh, 
a lot of business being done at these businesses, at these at these uh, banquets. Uh, you know, you scratching my back, I'm scratching yours, and they, you know, and so it was it was not a fun event, but everybody had to do it because it was part of being in that inner circle. So after the the, the last parable in um, uh, Matthew or excuse me Luke chapter 14 that we saw before, Jesus gives some advice. And we talked about this last time, but I wanted to read it. But Jesus gives some advice to the, to the people that are doing these banquets. And, he, and let, let's read it here. He says in, in verse 12, he says, Then he said also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a, a, a supper, uh, call not thy friends nor brethren, neither thy kin, kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, uh, and a recompense be made to thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, and the maimed, and the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I am so thankful for today and for this this important uh, parable that Jesus uh, gave us to help us to grow and to be more like you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As Jesus gives the advice to the people at this banquet that he is attending, he, uh, in verse 15, uh, a guest makes a statement that prompts Jesus to tell this next parable that we're going to be looking at. In verse 15, the guest says this, And when one of them that sat at meat with, with him said these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in thy kingdom. That statement is an interesting statement because the Jews believed that picture was a heaven of a great feast and that they would they would feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the other prophets. Uh, an example of that is in Luke chapter 13, verse 28. It says, There shall be a weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. Uh, and you yourself uh, thrust out. So uh, again, the, 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 for a Jewish person, this picture of heaven was this was this picture of a great feast that would take place, and they would sit down with Isaac and Jacob and 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 uh, uh, Abraham and all these prophets, and they would just sit and they would just have this great feast together. So this is what is in the mind of the person in verse 15. When he looks at Jesus, after Jesus does the first parable, gives them advice on who to invite to their next banquet. He's saying, don't, don't do the traditional thing. Invite people that don't deserve to come, and you'll be blessed for it. Then this person makes a statement about heaven. The person in verse 15 was convinced that he would be 
at this great banquet in, in heaven with Abraham and Isaac and all these prophets and everything. But then Jesus gives us the next parable in verse 16. Let's start reading. And then said he unto him, A certain man had a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time and said to them that were bidden, Come, for all things were now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must need go see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have bought five uh, yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and showed the Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said, Unto a servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Jesus here tells another parable about the, about a, the parable of the great feast. In fact, that's the title of my message this morning is the parable of the great feast. And, and in Jesus' time, you, you have to understand, again, the culture, because this is really, really important. The way this process worked is when, you know, the, this, in this parable, we have a master who's going to have a banquet. So what he would do prior to the banquet is he would go, uh, he would send his messengers or his servants out and, and, and basically with invitations and saying, hey, on this day, we're going to have a banquet and we want to know if you can attend. So they, they, they get all, we call it RSVP, right? Uh, today, isn't that, isn't that what we call it when you respond to an invitation? So they would, they would get a collection of names of people who were going to attend. But what was interesting is they never said what time the banquet would be. Okay, They would give the date, but they never gave the time. Because it, it, the time was dependent on the individual or his staff or how big, however big the household was to be able to pre- pre- prepare enough food for the number of people coming. So after all the preparations were made, then they would send out the messengers to the people on the guest list and they would invite them to come in. So does that make sense? So so just before the banquet was ready to be served, so all of the guests are waiting in anticipation for the invitation to say, okay, it's time to come eat. Does that make sense? 
Now, we don't do it that way today. We have clocks and schedules and everything. But in that, in that day, food preparation was a lot more difficult than it is today. So they didn't know exactly when. They just knew the day. And they had a, a good idea. Um, and we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. But <clears throat> So just before the feast was ready, the cook just before the cook said, okay, go get everybody. You know, we're going to be serving here in a few minutes. So... They would go out, they send messengers out, they would, they would go to the list of people that had said they were going to come and invite them to come. But here we have an, a, a, a situation. In verse 16, it says, A certain man made, great, a, made a great supper. So this is not just a simple banquet. This is a great, this is huge. This is preparing to feed a lot of people. And bade many. So he invited, he invited a lot of people to come. But what happened? As soon as the servants went out or the, the messengers went out, they started making excuses. We have actually a, a wonderful account of the way they did this in the book of Esther. In Esther chapter 5, the Bible says that uh, Esther is talking here. It says, uh, if I have found favor in thy sight, in the sight of the king, uh, and it pleased the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, let the king and Haman Come to a banquet that I shall prepare for them, <clears throat> and I will go tomorrow, as the king has said. So Esther invites the king and Haman to a banquet, but she doesn't. She never tells them the time of the banquet. And in, in Esther chapter six and verse fourteen, it says, "And while they were yet talking with him, came the, came the king's chamberlain." <clears throat> Uh, and hastened to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. So again, they, Haman was anticipating the invitation. The invitation came, and he went to the banquet. So I, I just thought that that was an interesting kind of kind of way that they do it. But if you don't understand it, th this parable kind of doesn't really make a lot of sense. <clears throat> but in other words. Each guest that was invited had already said they would come. They had RSVP'd, if you would. So the fact that they didn't come was a huge insult to the man who had prepared this great feast. So, point number one. Let's look at the excuses, okay? Uh, we, we, have, we have a situation here where many, many people uh, were invited, but Jesus gives us three excuses of why they couldn't come. So let's look at the excuses because <clears throat> uh, excuses are important, are they not? Uh, we, we, we are masters at excuses, are we, are we not? Just look at me. Hello? Wake up, everybody. We are masters of making excuses, are we not? Yes, we are. 
So let's look at these excuses. Um, and, and all three of all three of these excuses just smack with insincerity. Um, the first excuse we see a man who wants to see some land that he just bought. And you know, this is a pretty lame excuse because uh, again, going to the society, understanding the, the, the way society works, buying land in the Middle East at this time um, was a was a very difficult process, very lengthy process. You think buying a house here is tough. Man, you, you don't know anything compared. They would make multiple trips to the property. The, the negotiations would take place over and over and over. Uh, and then the, the, the it, anyway, so the excuse of saying, hey, I just bought this land and I need to go check it out is, is, is not a legitimate excuse because the process was so difficult and so uh, involved, he had already had multiple opportunities to visit this land and check it out. So the excuse doesn't hold water. And besides that, who buys land without looking at it first? Right? <laughs> I've never bought a house without looking at it and saying, well, okay, yeah, I like that. No, I don't. You, you know, I, you know yeah, and another thing. Is the land still going to be there after the banquet? Absolutely. But yet, what does he do? He makes an excuse to go see the land instead of going to the banquet. Something else that is interesting about this excuse, and it goes back to what what I was talking about earlier about the invitation. They don't. They didn't know the exact time. But these banquets were always timed <clears throat> to be in the late afternoon, early evening. That was just their custom. So this man who's going out to inspect his land is going to be doing it when? In the dark. Who's going who's to inspect their, a piece of land you just bought in the dark? It, it, it doesn't make sense. It's just an excuse not to come. <clears throat> the second excuse is a man who wants to prove or test five sets of oxen that he just bought. So he bought, he bought ten oxen, five yokes of oxen equals ten oxen. Equivalent today, he bought five tractors. Okay, because a yoke of oxen would pull a plow. So... Today, if you were to go buy a tractor, I don't own a tractor. I have a lawnmower. I don't have a tractor. I've never owned a tractor. But anyway, if I was going to go buy a tractor, don't you think it would be wise to kind of test drive it before you buy it? So this guy is going out and he's, he's making this excuse that, hey, look, hey, I bought these uh, 10 oxen. I got, I got to go out and, and take them on a test drive. Make sure they're going to work. No, you should have already done that. And again, he would have been doing it in the dark. Doesn't make sense. 
the third excuse, and 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 this is this is the guy who's like, hey, I, I can't come. I just got married. And and on the surface, <clears throat> this probably we would say, well, this is this is a good excuse. But again, you've got to understand the culture. The the culture in this day, weddings took close to a year, if not more, to to um, happen. Okay, they just didn't happen overnight. It's just he didn't wake up and one morning say, "Hey, come on, babe, let's go, let's go get married." You know, they didn't do that there. This was a year-long process, and and it was and and, and he had committed to coming to the banquet. So he, he knew when he committed that either he had just gotten married or he was about to get married, but he knew that it was just an excuse. See, he had already committed. All three of these excuse people had committed to coming. The point is this. They were all just excuses. They were all just excuses. Billy Sunday wrote this, the skin of reason stuffed with a lie is the definition of an excuse. I read that and I thought, wow. His definition of excuse, let me give it to you again. The skin of reason stuffed with a lie. The truth is simple. The truth is simple. Someone that is good at making excuses usually is not good for anything else. Excuses. So lesson number one, point number one, lesson number one. We have three points this morning and four lessons we're going to learn in this parable. Lesson number one is there will always be people making excuses about why they can't come to Jesus. There will always be people making excuses. Because the master here, obviously, is a picture of Jesus. There's always going to be people making excuses why they can't come. Let's take it a step further. There's always going to be people making excuses about why I can't come to church. I just got married. I'm tired. I got to go test drive my five tractors. You know, I mean, you know, it just, it's just, it's just, it's just the, our nature. Point number two. So we have the excuses. Point number two. I, I want to look at the disappointment. The, the disappointment here. This is uh, in verse 21. We see the disappointment of the master. He says, um, so the servants came and showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house, <clears throat> being angry, said unto the servant, uh, go quickly into the, into the um, uh, streets and lanes of the city, uh, <clears throat> bring in hither the poor, the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said unto him, uh, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is room. And the Lord said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house 
may be filled. So we see here uh, the, this disappointment or this anger that the that the, the the master experiences after after having prepared all this food and all all the 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 payback that he was getting ready to pay back all the people all the banquets that he had been to um, uh, and all the payback and all the anticipation of hey if I do this grand uh, banquet then everybody else that comes is going to have to invite me and I get the you know and, and and all of this social interaction and all of this stuff only to be snubbed remember at the beginning I said that, that these the, these banquets had nothing to do with friendship it was all about buying recognition and getting into that inner circle and it was definitely not customary because of what we saw earlier in verses 12 to 14 that that anybody who was handicapped or or different in any way they were never invited it was only the wealthy and the and the 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 the, the people who had uh, influence and the politicians and all those kind of people dave ramsey uh has uh, has is known for saying this uh quite often actually we want what we don't have to impress people we probably don't even like. I like that. Uh, you know, we, we, people do it all the time. We call it, what, what do we call that? Keeping up with the Joneses, right? <clears throat> and that's, that's what this, this, that's what these banquets were all about, was keeping up with everybody else. And, and, and here we see, uh, the, 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 the master being so angry, he says, go out into the highways and the hedges and, and get all these people and bring them back. As a church. Well, let me give you a lesson number two. So you have point two, lesson number two. Uh, his disappointment caused him to reevaluate his priorities. His disappointments caused him to, to reevaluate his priorities because now all of a sudden all of his quote-unquote friends he realizes were not really friends to begin with. And then he, all of a sudden he, he needs to reevaluate his priorities. As a church, our priority needs to be outside our, our inner circle. One of the biggest problems that churches, uh, 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 I shouldn't say problems, one of the biggest traps that churches can fall into is they get so wrapped up with themselves that they forget that there's a community out there that needs Jesus Christ. And, that, and that's what would happen with this circuit of banquets that would take place, is they would get so caught up in their inner circle that it was, it, they would live from one banquet to the next so that they would just feed in this in this inner circle of hypocrisy. And this is a beautiful picture Jesus is giving us here as a, as a church to not do that, not get into this 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 inner circle, but to get outside the inner circle and to get out of our comfort zone. Because in him telling us. His, his servants to go get all of these people that were maimed and, 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 and uh, handicapped and all of this stuff was, was definitely out of the, uh, the comfort zone for this man. 
because that was not what he was used to. But that's what he did. And we as a church, we need to realize that we have a community out here that needs Jesus Christ. And we can never reach Fernley, Nevada with the gospel if we stay in our four walls and we huddle down and we just stay within our inner circle. We'll never reach them. Never in a million years. Jesus met unbelievers where they were. And we need to realize as Christians today that we need to do the same thing. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow to yourself in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. We need, there are times in our lives where we just need to break up that hard ground in our lives. And so that the Holy Spirit can then rain down on us and soften our hearts. And that is exactly what this man had to do. He had to realize that there were a bunch of people out there that needed what he had. All he had to do was go get them. One theologian wrote this. I, I came across this recently and I just I was stunned. I had I had never thought of this. But one theologian uh, says this. He says the gospel records <clears throat> 132 contacts that Jesus had with people. So in the in the in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 132 times Jesus has contact with people. And and that's you know that's kind of normal we kind of understand that but but what he goes on to say is what astounded me six times were in the temple four times in the synagogue a hundred and twenty two times was out where people lived in their mainstream lives he went to them and met them where they were. And if we as a church are going to reach our community, it's going to be because we are going out, not that because people are coming in. What an incredible picture for us that Jesus gives us. So point number one, we see the excuses. Point number two, the disappointments. Now, point number three, let's look at the reactions. Reactions, and, and we're going to look at two reactions here, <clears throat> because this is again this is this is important to understanding uh, the the parable that Jesus gives us here. So the first one, the first reaction is the servants are instructed to fill the house. So the 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 the, the master, uh, <clears throat> his first reaction is, hey, go out into the streets and the lanes. Now, I did some research and I found that the word streets literally means main roads, okay? So in Fernley, that would be Main Street, um, uh, Farm District Road, you, you know, the, the main roads in town. 
And then the, the next word, the lanes, would be secondary roads or residential roads, if you would. So he says, go out into the main streets, the, the side streets, and, and compel everybody to come in. Then when the, when the house wasn't full, he then says, go into the highways and the hedges. And, and literally, the word highways is not like uh, I-80 or anything like that. It's, it's actually just the opposite. It means the alleyways, where, where, where you know, the, the backpack roads, if you would. And then the, the hedges would be literally where criminals would hide. It was the hedges, and, 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 and that's where people would hide to get away from so that they wouldn't be found. But what is the, what is the master telling his servants? Hey, you go find everyone. I don't care who they are. The picture is this. Jesus Christ died for all. He died for all. He didn't die for the rich. He didn't die for the middle class or the Lord. He died for all. So lesson number three, what can we get uh, out of the, the first reaction is we need to go everywhere. We need to go everywhere. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 says, Go ye into, uh, uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. In verse 19, the word nations. Uh, we've talked about this before. You probably know this. But if you, know, if you don't know this, let me help you here. Uh, the word nations here uh, in verse uh, 19 uh, does not mean like continents or like the United States or anything like that. That's not what it means. It literally means people groups. So when Jesus tells us in, in Matthew chapter 28 to go and teach every people group, that means you can break it down to the word dialect so that every Body, everybody is important. Every people group is important to Jesus Christ. And the picture here of going to the highways and the hedges is, hey, go get everybody. I don't care where they are. I don't care what they smell like. I don't care what they look like. I died for all of them. Incredible truth. The second reaction. And this is one that when I thought about it, I thought, oh my. But look at verse 24. And I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. The second lesson or the second reaction that he has is shut and lock the door. Shut and lock the door. Because those that said that they wanted to come and snubbed me, they're not welcome. And I would imagine, as with the picture here, that that the, the, the master would have stationed somebody with a clipboard at the door and saying, okay, hey, your name's on the list here. You stubbed my master. Guess what? You can turn around and go away. And this is a picture 
that is not a good picture. Lesson number four, be careful what you do with the gospel. Be careful what you do with the gospel. If you have rejected the gospel, let me tell you, you need to rethink this. Because there will come a day when you try to get into heaven, because that's what this is a picture of. And Jesus will say, hey, you had your chance. We don't often like to think about God of exercising anger or or disappointment against those that reject the gospel. But this is a clear picture that that is exactly what he'll do. If we take the gospel of Jesus Christ flippantly, and yeah, yeah, I'll do it later. Don't say that. Don't say that. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not uh, the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I uh, uh, succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. The picture here is very, very clear. We see the excuse, excuses, the disappointment. We've seen the reaction. The four lessons, I want to review these very quickly. The four lessons here, there will always be people to make excuses about why they can't come to Jesus. The second lesson is this disappointment uh, caused him to reevaluate his priorities. Lesson number three, uh, go everywhere and reach everybody. And number four, be careful what you do with the gospel. Let me close with this verse in Matthew chapter 11. The words of Jesus, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What are you going to do with the gospel? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, this parable and the message of this parable. What, a, what an incredible truth it is for us as a church and us as individuals that we not only have a corporate responsibility to reach the lost around us, but we have an individual responsibility as well. And Lord, help us as we uh, conclude our service this morning to, to, to make you a priority in our lives. And Lord, help us to never give be flippant or take for granted the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are truly thankful and we're truly blessed. With every head